Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H-Brighton.org. And again, good morning. Uh, If I've met you, my name is Aaron. I'm the pastor of our uh, church, and this is a special Sunday. As I was sharing with you, this is our three-year anniversary. Uh, We planted like right before the pandemic. We didn't know the pandemic was coming. And so we've been moving around a little bit, trying to find a church home, and we landed on this beautiful building. And you're here on a special day. So we're kind of guests to this building, and so are you. So we're all getting to know each other uh, really well. Uh, We've been in a teaching series called Core Values. And so it's a little bit of break from how we typically teach, but we're covering our church's three core values that Kyle went over, gospel, community, and mission. And today we're talking about community uh, from the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a great place to look at community because in that is really the start of the local church. And the book of Acts takes place right after Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. And then Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then in 40 days, he ascends to heaven. And so now you have a ton of people who start believing in him, but they're from different nations and ethnicities and cultures and backgrounds and economic statuses, educational status. And now they're supposed to kind of be a family together. And that's the beautiful thing about the local church. It's a community of people that's diverse, but we have an uncommon unity because of Jesus. And so today is all about community. But what's interesting about community is that all of us crave it whether you're new to Boston or you've been here all of your life, you and I crave community. And so we often seek for it, right? We seek for community in relationships. Maybe it's a dating relationship, could be with your roommates, or you could have even come here today because you're like, I I want community. I want a church community. So maybe that's why you're here. But all of us crave community, but sometimes we don't look for it, maybe in the right places. But what if I tell you that there was a community that could be committed to your ultimate good? that would care about your struggles and your hardships? What if there's a community that actually stuck with you when things got challenging and hard for you? What if there was a community that provided wise and practical counsel for you as you were making some hard decisions about a relationship or a job or a future move? What if there's a community like that of people that took care of you when you were unable? A deep and meaningful place. All of us are looking for that place. And it's because God designed you and designed me for community. We're designed to be in community for one another. Uh, There's been tons of research that comes out about community and about loneliness. In fact, one research from the University of of California in San Diego says this, three out of four Americans, okay, think about the room, three out of four Americans have expressed moderate to high levels of loneliness. And this is not just among isolated individuals who may live maybe alone. The expressed high level of loneliness was amongst people in their mid-20s through their early 30s. And that's maybe the majority of us in this room. And you've probably felt that, haven't you? This sort of nagging loneliness. Do people really know me? Do they really love me? I wish I had that significant someone or that people to belong and to do life with, right? We all crave that. It's because we're designed to live like this. And what happens if we're not in community, we, we feel that loneliness even deeper, Uh, One study that was made in 2017 says that loneliness can be just as harmful to one's health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
Now, hopefully none of you are smoking 15 cigarettes a day, but we love you anyway, if that was the case for you. But you can imagine how harmful that would be. And loneliness is just as harmful. And why is that the case? Because again, you and I were built for community. We're built for community, to be with one another. And so today we're talking about what's it look like to be a meaningful Christian community. It's something that every human, Christian or non-Christian, is hungry for because we're made for it. But what makes a meaningful community? And so there's four elements in the scriptures today uh, that we just read that talks about what makes a meaningful community. And here's the first one that we're going to talk about. Here's number one. Uh, In community, what makes it meaningful is when a people are devoted to one another. They're simply committed to the life and care of one another. And guys, uh, the way that I teach at this church is we're always going to look at a passage of scripture from the Bible, and then we're going to draw out some points and insights and applications from that text. You should not care what I have to say. We should care about what God's word has to say. So all of my points and applications should be coming from the Bible. So here's the first one, meaningful community. It's people devoted to one another. And I get that from verse 42. Let me read it to you. And they, the people that were gathered, this new local church, They devoted themselves, meaning they gave their own hearts to one another. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We'll get to in a moment. And then it has this key word. It says, and the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That word there, the fellowship, is koinonia in the original Greek language that the Bible was written in. And what that meant was this deep commitment to care for one another. They didn't treat a community just something, a place to get something from, but to give something to. They devoted each other. They were this deep, meaningful people that committed to life with one another. They cared deeply for one another. It was the fellowship. This was really special during this time because we'll get to in a moment that people were gathering from different nations and languages and they didn't know each other. The only commonality they had was Jesus. The faith they had in what Christ has done on the cross to pay for their sin by faith alone, they have relationship with him. That's what they had, but they committed to life to one another. But what kind of life was this? What actions made this commitment to one another? There's three little sub things I want to give you. They committed to each other through time, through time. Now, Boston's a busy city, right? Some of you just landed here, uh, you're starting your academic program, and you know how busy your schedule is going to be, right? Give me some head nods. Life in Boston is busy, fast-paced, hard academics. You're running through stuff. Business is challenging. It takes forever to get anywhere. Time is the most precious thing we have. But in a community, a meaningful community, you give each other time. And here's where we find that. Verse 46, it says, and day by day, here's what the people did. They attended the temple together. They broke bread in each other's homes, meaning they had meals together. They slowed down from the pace of life and they listened to one another. They cared for one another. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They praised God together and they were having favor with all the people. So if we're going to be a meaningful community that's devoted to one another, we've got to give each other our time. Our time is the most precious thing we have. And here's what we mean by that at our church at City on a Hill. We desire to know each other well. We want to know each other's stories, strengths, and struggles at this church. 
We wanna know each other's stories, strengths, and struggles so we can be there for you when things go hard. We wanna invest in each other's lives in every area of that life. And we do that because that's how God came to serve us. Jesus being God came to live this life and enter into the brokenness of people's stories, right? There's the woman at the well or that woman who was caught in adultery. There was men who were demon possessed or caught up in all types of sin. There was tax collectors that were stealing and he entered into their stories. He spent time, unhurried, unrushed time over meals and walks and retreats, day in, day out. And the, the, the hurriedness of Boston, the best thing we can do as a community to give to each other is time. The second thing is care. Devote each other to time, but to care. It says in verse 44, and all who believed were together and they had all things in what? In common. Now that doesn't mean they all voted the same way or they looked the same way or had the same education background. What it means is that they took their differences and they came together for a common purpose, which was their faith and their life in Jesus. They shared what they had in common. And that's where we get in verse 45, that they were selling their possessions and belongings and they were distributing the proceeds if anyone had need in their church. Guys, we wanna give each other in this church a meaningful community that gives care to one another. We know stories, struggles, and strengths, but we also enter into the burdens of people's lives. We get past the, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. No, 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 how, how are you really doing? How's your marriage? And what's it like being in Boston? What's it like on the, the dating scene right now? How, how's your heart with all of that? What's it like in your school program? What's it like at maybe back home where you're from with your parents? What's it like? We, we care for the heart because this is what Jesus came to save was the body and the heart. And guys, there's a lot that you go through during your days and your weeks that what if a community modeled Christ and entered into your story and your struggle and cared for you in that place. This is what Jesus has done for us. And so we are called to do that with one another. So we devote each other through time and through care. And then through this last one, sacrifice, sacrifice. Verse 45 says this, that they were selling their possessions. This is fascinating. Think about this for a moment. Think about this small church community. What if we were selling our possessions because one of you didn't have what you needed? Maybe you tried to move in your apartment and the couch didn't quite fit up the stairs. And so you just had to throw out the couch and get a new one. What if someone in this church provided your needs? They cared for you in that way. What if rent got tight, which I know some of in our church helped paid for other people's rent. Some of you in this church have sold your cars, your houses, your clothes to even move to this city to help start this church. Imagine if we live that way with our friends and neighbors. We sold our possessions because we saw how Jesus gave up the glory of heaven to come on earth and gave up that in order to serve us. Guys, we do because of what's been done to us. So they sold their possessions and their belongings. They distribute the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Guys, in this church, a meaningful community, we devote each other through time, through care, through sacrifice. But still, what makes this passage to me, guys, so beautiful is not just that they did this, it's that they didn't know each other. Like genuinely didn't know each other, all of these people. They were from different cities, different education levels, different ethnicities. These people had nothing else in common other than Jesus and his teachings, and that was enough. Which brings us to the second point of a meaningful community. We must be devoted to God and his word. 
God and his word. Now, if you're here and you're just exploring Christianity the first time, uh, we are a people of the book. We do believe that God gave us the scriptures through human authors, over 40 authors, over a 1500 year period. And if you look at the, the, um, the geography and the archeology, span you look at the dates, you look at the people, you look at the locations, all of those seem to match up with incredible precision and accuracy. If those things line up over 1500 years of recording with 40 different authors, and if that all lines up, then you could even consider the faith claims. And this is what the Bible has for us. It's not just a story of tales. We believe it's real recorded history that has faith claims that are rooted in truth and that are true. And so this early community, they devoted themselves not to just each other, but they devoted themselves to God and his word. And again, we get that from the very first verse. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. So at this church, your goal is not to be devoted to me as a leader, like the apostles were leaders. You devote yourself to God's word. It's the teachings of the scripture, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Now, what's interesting, again, is who is the they in this passage? We keep referencing it, different cities, different countries. Well, who is the they? What's so fascinating is that it's so diverse. Let me read to you. If you have your Bible, it's gonna be in verse nine of Acts chapter two. Look at the background that's gathered there that makes up the early church. Who's there is the Parthians, the, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Um, Pamphylia, uh, Egypt, parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jews, proselytes, Christians, Arabians. There were tons of people that were there. They began to have the Holy Spirit pour out on them. They're speaking in tongues. They're watching mighty miracles. They were all amazed. They said, what does this mean? And then Peter, one of the apostles, preached the gospel and said, repent and believe in Jesus for he's died for your sins so you could have a relationship with him. And all of these people from these 15, 16 different nations trusted in Christ and they became the first community. Imagine that moment. That's a really sci-fi crazy moment that happened, but it was beautiful. So many different nations coming together, making one family. And they became a family because they had something to unify them, which was the teaching of God's word. This community now of different nations, they learned how Jesus gave himself to people, ultimately unto death, gave his life for us. And they saw in the teachings of Jesus, how Jesus committed to speak in love and in truth, how Jesus was gracious, but he's also holy how he cared for the marginalized and he also called out those who were abusing their authority. And they saw that Jesus lived this way. And so they devoted themselves to the way of Jesus, which this church is trying to do. They devoted themselves to God's teaching. And my friends, we must do the same thing. This may sound cheesy, but this is what I want our church to live out. I want us to hear the word corporately like this. They're always to be studying the passages I want us to heed the word personally in our own devotional time, a deep rooted studying of the Bible in your own personal time. And I want you to read the word daily. Guys, in our church, we go through a Bible reading plan. And so we try to read all through the scriptures each year together. And we do that in different ways. And so you can actually pick up on the way out today, a Bible reading plan. Each month we're reading through the scriptures together. 
But guys, as a church, what keeps us unified, what keeps us understanding what Jesus has done is to commit ourselves to the word. What did God say to us about him, about others? And guys, that's what a meaningful community is because it's in there that we learn about what true love is and true sacrifice, what it means to really care for one another. And when you see how Jesus particularly cared for you and your story and your needs, and you see what he's done to take care of every ounce of hurt and pain on the cross and how he gave you a future in heaven one day without sorrow, without hurt, without sickness anymore. When you see the way he cared for you, it it transforms you. So we wanna be a people that's transformed by the word so that it can continue to transform others. So what do we do again? We hear the word corporately, we heed that word personally, and then we read that word daily and commit our hearts and lives to it. Third thing here, guys, as as church city on a hill, we wanna be be a people devoted to prayer. People devoted to prayer. Look again at the scriptures and see what it says. And guys, if we taught through this whole entire passage in depth, we would, like, we'd have to do multiple weeks because we're barely out of verse one, right? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's God's word, to the fellowship, that's time, and that's care, that's sacrifice, to breaking bread, that's communion and sharing meals at each other's homes. And then it says they were devoted to what? Praying together, praying together. And friends, let me ask you a question if you're a Christian. When you think about prayer, is it a last resort or your first priority? In a fast-paced city, it's often our last resort. It's what we do on the way to work or right before bed, but it's not a central thing in our life often because we're hurried and rushed. But these people, the way they lived in meaningful community is they prayed to God for each other and with each other. Now, this might be like a lot, but I want to just share briefly the kinds of prayers that these were praying. I, I looked at the book of Acts and I said, if, if that's the real, meaningful, real church community, how did they pray? And I looked through all the chapters and this is some of the prayers that they did. Let me, let me just share that briefly with you. Acts chapter one, they were praying for the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Also in Acts chapter one, they were praying for leaders that would be established in their churches. Acts two, they prayed with thanksgiving for what God had provided. Acts three, they prayed for miracles in the name of Jesus, like healing or care. They prayed for boldness in the face of persecution. Acts six, they refused to build busy schedules. And so leaders built time to protect prayer. Acts six, again, they prayed to seek God's blessing on people that were serving in the church. Acts seven, Stephen prayed for forgiveness for people who were actually in the moment of killing Stephen. So we should pray for God to forgive people through the cross. Acts 8, they urged people to pray to Christ even for forgiveness of sins. Acts 9, they prayed for even a dead girl to raise from the grave and Jesus provided her to rise from the dead. Acts 12, the church prayed for those who were in prison. Acts 13, they prayed during intense times of fasting. Acts 14, they prayed to God to appoint and uh, give certain men and women as leaders in churches. Acts 20, they prayed for the church as a whole. Acts 27, they prayed for the church's safety. Acts 28, they prayed for healing. Not only that, but let me give you this crazy list of where they prayed. They prayed in houses, they prayed on houses, they prayed by rivers, they prayed in prison, they prayed at the beach, they prayed in the temple, they prayed in boats, they prayed morning, afternoon, night, evening, and midnight. That's a lot of praying 
a lot of places over a lot of things. My friends, that's what kind of community we must be. More than your plans and my plans, more than some strategies, more than movie nights, more than outreaches, we must be people devoted to pray for and with one another. God, so lift up your burdens to the Lord and ask him to do things in your life. Even for you to pray is just you communing with your creator and savior and the one you will see face to face one day, Christian. Guys, prayer must be a central thing we do, a priority and not a last resort. So Christian, let me ask you, how often are you praying for those in your community group? People that call Koa home, how often are you praying for your leaders of this church? How often are you praying for the kids in our kids ministry that are learning and growing up in this city and they're learning about Jesus through this church community? My friend, how often are you praying for your non-Christian neighbor? Are you praying for the senior adults that are also in this building beneath us during the week? Are you praying for the daycare center? Who are you praying for that doesn't know Jesus in our city? Are you making prayer a priority or as a last resort? The last thing here, our fourth thing that we'll cover. Again, we're looking at what it means to be a devoted community. The last thing is we must be devoted to mission, mission. Here's how the scripture ends in this passage. It says that this community, they gathered day by day, They attended the temple together. They broke bread in each other's homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They praised God, had favor with all the people. And then look what God did. By the way they were living with each other and with the community, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That word saved is a really churchy term. I understand that. But saved means that you were rescued from something. And we know as Christians that Jesus rescued us from sin, sorrow, death, and even ourselves. When Jesus came to give his life on the cross, he gave it so you could have a new life where you would know just how much you are loved and you're significant and secured in him. And he took the wrath on himself so that he could pour out all his love on you. And it's with this message that this local community began to share with everyone. And guys, they were selling their possessions. And you, can you imagine just for a moment, the city that was around them? The scriptures tell us there's about 3,000 of these people living this way. 16 different nations represented. They're selling their possessions. They're caring for the poor. They're praying all the time. They're meeting in homes and for a community group and for the local church. They're all different ethnicities and nationalities. And they're talking about Jesus all the time, who he is, what he's done, why it matters. And it's through that, that God added more and more to the kingdom of God by these people placing their faith in Jesus. And that city on a hill, we want to do the same thing. We wanted to be devoted so much so that out of the overflow of our mouth is us talking about Jesus over and over and over again. Some of you here at this church heard about Jesus through this church was baptized as this church as a symbol of your faith in Jesus. And now you're telling other people about him. Guys, we live in a beautiful city. I love this city. My two girls were born in this city. We fostered to adopt them. We plan to make Boston home forever. We love it here. This city, the greater Boston area, we've shared the past couple weeks, has 5.8 million people. 5.8 million people in such a small square mileage space. And of that people, only 3%, 3% 
know what Jesus has done on the cross for them. 3%. Many people may think they know Christianity or they think by being a good person, you end up going to heaven one day or something like that, but they don't know the true message of Jesus. And then Jesus told us last week in Matthew 28, we are to go into all the nations and make disciples of him by sharing what he's done for them and inviting people to trust and follow him in every area of life. And church, this community gave their life to the mission. Now, let me ask you for a second. What if they hadn't? What if they hadn't? Think about the ripple effect throughout history. Would you and would I know Jesus if they didn't live on mission? Like Jesus ascended into heaven, then you've got this local church. And what if all of them said, man, I'm just too busy. Or, you know, I can't share that message about my church at like work or school because then they'll think I'm weird and I don't want to be labeled as that weird Christian person. So I'm just, I just don't know how to, it's too awkward. I'm just not going to. What if none of them did? Would you know Jesus? Would I know Jesus throughout history, throughout time? My friends, it's a privilege and a responsibility for us to share the good news of Jesus. We don't want to be harsh. We don't want to be unkind, but it's so good that we want to share it with everyone. Guys, everyone in this city is, they're searching for meaning. They want to make a name for themselves. They want to get the degree and get the job. They want to make an impact. They're all looking for importance or love or significance. And all of it is found in Jesus. He tells you who you are, how prized you are, how loved you are. It changes everything, your past, present, and future. We want everyone to know it. So my friends, let me ask you a question. If we're going to be a church devoted to mission, then who is one person that you feel that God may have put in your life to share him with? Who's one person? Is it a neighbor? Maybe it's a roommate. It's a coworker. Who's one person you feel like God has put in your path, not to condemn them or judge them, but to gently begin to share your story and share God's story and what he's done on the cross. Who is one person we can do that with? So think about that. We shared that last week a little bit, but think about who's that one person that you can begin to invite and invest in. And I think that's what happened in this community, guys. 3,000 people knowing, trusting Jesus, they began to live this way as a meaningful community. And people were like, yeah, I, I want meaningful community. And I want the one that brought them together because look at how they live and they love and what they talk about, what they do with their possessions. I wanna be a part of that community. And my friends, that's what this church is seeking to do is to be a community that invites you in and invests and points you to Jesus. Last thing here, um, as, a, as a church, um, this might be odd if you're a guest, but I wanna let everyone know this month is a wonderful month for you and I to live out this gospel calling of mission. It might be awkward for you to, to hear like, should we be inviting to church? As a Christian, we wanna invite people into every area of life. Jesus walked in every area of life with others and we wanna invite others into that as well. So we do through the month of September, it's a great month to invite a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a school, a person that you had just met and invite them to come gather with us, invite them to a community group, invite them to our meal after service. This is one of the best months that we can live this out together. So last thing I'll tell you this is uh, community groups also start, guys, this month for our guests in our church. And so if you're interested in getting 
connected to this local community that devotes to each other and to the scriptures and to prayer and to mission. This is the best way for you to get connected. We've got four or five of them in our neighborhood that meet Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. There's for everyone and anyone, whether you're a seeker, skeptic, or seasoned Christian. Our community groups are for you. And so you can get connected uh, right after our service. We'll have a meal outside. There'll be a table for you to come by. Uh, you, can, you don't have to like immediately sign up for a group. You can just come visit, check them out, see which kind of group fits for you. If you want to go to one for a couple weeks and then go join another one because it's a better time or location, feel free to do that. But guys, what's, what's for all of us is we want to live this way. We want to be a community that lives this way, that loves this way because of the way that Christ loved us. And on our three-year anniversary, may we remember this and always live this way because it's this passage that founded sort of our church together. We prayed over this. We talked about it all the time. We return to it today and then we live out of it for all of our days forward. So church, let's take a moment. Let's pray together and then we'll move into communion. Let's pray. Let's pray.